0: Welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. In this episode, I speak with guest Neil Weir, CEO of Citrix Therapeutics, a smaller biotech specialising in immunometabolism, a field that is quickly becoming a fascinating and focal area for addressing disease and even possibly reversing some conditions. Our conversation travels through Neil's personal career path, fueled by a fascination with science, and indeed that fascination is a key word when it comes to industry's growing and keen interest in the field also. Overall, as you'll hear, immunometabolism is opening ever wider the gate to a new era of targeted medicine, and I hope our discussion captures your imagination as much as it did myself. As ever, thank you for listening. This is web editor Nicole Raleigh, and today I have with me Neil Weir, CEO of Citrix Therapeutics. Welcome, Neil. Thanks. Pioneers in immunometabolism, a rapidly emerging and exciting area of investigation into the role of intracellular metabolic pathways in immune cells. In layman's terms, Citrix alters immune cell metabolism to resolve disease. Indeed, changes to these metabolic pathways are pivotal in the development of severe diseases, including autoimmune conditions and cancer. But before we dive into the finer details of this field, perhaps you could tell me and our listeners, Neil, about your journey to now, your own personal pathway to today, with its focus on immunometabolism.
1: Great, yeah, thanks very much. Uh, So my journey, um, at least for the last 30 years or so has been quite a long career in large ish biotech and pharma. And I spent, I was fortunate enough to spend a large part of that leading a research organization. And in many respects, that was the what I regarded as the ideal, the dream job. Um, it brought together a combination of things that were really uh, yeah, fantastic to be involved in. First of all, you had the opportunity to follow what Even as a small child, I found fascinating science, but hopefully do something beneficial for patients. And and actually, I had the great um, good fortune to see a number of drugs come through and you see the impact that that can make on individuals and families and that sort of thing. So it was an immense privilege to be involved in that. So that ability to apply science, fantastic an opportunity to work with a group of people and some really talented teams I've been involved with who really are right at the cutting edge of science so doing something that people have never done before there's an enormous buzz that comes from that and um you know learning all the time even though you're leading you're learning all the time so again that's you know great thing to do and then i suppose as i sort of almost matured more in the role i found an additional dimension which was really understanding much more about people and how teams work and that fascinating dimension that goes beyond just the pure science and the IQ dimension of the, the, the detail of the exact science that you're pursuing into how individuals respond to that and how teams work together and different personality styles. And that sometimes that tension between individual inventors and you know inventiveness and then the more harmony side of how teams work together and, and make progress so all of that i think was just fantastic however having done that for about 30 years and um, and there are huge benefits to doing that in a bigger pharma company you have huge resources you have you know huge ability to pursue a wide range of projects um but i think it I'd, I began to decide that I'd quite like to take a step back and, and work in a smaller environment again, where you can get, or at least you feel you can get things done more quickly, and, and it perhaps more suited to the impatient. So I had the opportunity came up for me to step away from a job where you know again I had the privilege of, of running an organisation of many hundreds of people to starting up a company where I was employee one of one, and and that was I mean that was it was a bit of a shock to the system. But it, it really rejuvenated my enthusiasm for doing this sort of thing. So that's the sort of, at least the last 30 years of my um, transition. And um, again, I've been very fortunate. I think we'll come on to talk about what, what was attractive about the opportunity in Citrix um, later.
0: Yes, we will. My gosh, from hundreds to one of one, that must have been quite a sort of culture shock, to put it mildly, after 30 years.
1: Oh, it was, yes. Um, but I, I, you know, again, I think you, sometimes feel you're ready for it because almost inevitably larger organization have to have necessary processes and systems in place, et cetera. And, and all the complexity of just because you are a large organization and having confidence that you're making good decision and that sort of thing, it does sometimes feel like you're explaining the same thing over and over again um, without necessarily being very confident that it, that is to an audience that's enormously interested in it. So I, I think, uh, it's a culture shock, but it's a it's a great sort of um, freedom that comes with it. Albeit, al- also comes with it. If you you know all the sort of rather mundane things of um, operating and having an office and that sort of thing, you you suddenly have to become interested in 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 these sort of things.
0: Yes, a freedom tempered in the realities of it. Great. Yeah. So, thank you for that. Now, with this freedom, there's been. Alongside that, your path, there's been this growing interest over the past five years or so in the potential to control cell metabolism. And Big Pharma is active in this space. Uh, But Citrix itself has been working more recently with Eli Lilly and Co., is that correct? Correct, yes. Okay, so before we talk about that... Let's talk about the field of immunometabolism itself. So can you provide a brief overview of this field of study for listeners, share a bit of the science, and tell us how it will enable differentiated targeted approaches?
1: Yeah, no, it's a a pleasure to do that. Well, I think a lot of us became much more familiar with some of the terms associated with immunology over the COVID pandemic, and all of a sudden T-cells and B-cells became mainstream news Items, so but it's fascinating, really, the the immense power of the immune system to 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 make a selection between who it regards as or proteins or targets that it regards as self and targets that regards as perhaps um belonging to an invading or an infectious agent and that sort of or even a cancer. So that enormously complex um, differentiation it has to make to decide who is going to attack and who is going to live with in harmony is. For, it's a fascinating area of science. And unfortunately, it doesn't always go right. So there is a, this challenge that occurs when the immune system identifies something which it should be recognising itself as something that brings danger and therefore it wishes to attack. It's an immensely powerful system and, and, and has the potential to cause enormous damage to self if it, if it gets those decisions incorrect. Now, it turns out that the immune system Um, has adopted some control points in metabolic pathways. So these are the sort of pathways of life that allow cells to generate energy and generate intermediates to synthesize macromolecules, that sort of thing. And there are some really important control points in these metabolic pathways. And uh, first of all, I think it would stand to reason that, that those metabolic pathways would present a passive control over the way the immune system works because it's very energy dependent and therefore very energy dependent processes are in turn dependent upon decisions made in pathways around how you generate your energy. But it's much more than that passive control. The immune system has almost uh, anthropomorphized, has adopted control points from metabolic pathways to assist it in making key decisions about the balance of the immune system. What this leads us to and um, propose, uh, and it's not just us, it's a broadly recognized hypothesis, is that if you can assist in rebalancing the immune system by reimposing correct decisions, you can move towards therapies that assist in bringing patients towards remission as opposed to treating ongoing chronic inflammatory conditions just by suppressing the consequences of an aberrantly activated immune system. So I think it's that great promise of getting some of the final, you know, the fundamental control points on the immune system and using these metabolic pathways to assist in reimposing control that brings with it the potential to bring very, you know, transformative changes in, in treatment to patients and, um, Towards curing their disease rather than suppressing the consequence of having an overactivated immune system.
0: Gosh. Okay. So immunometabolism is shifting things for patients, quite literally, providing a new era of targeted medicine and moving therapy from treating inflammatory symptoms to reversing disease. Is that right? That's the ambition. Yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. And on which diseases could this particular area of research have an especial impact? I mean you mentioned remission a minute ago so we are talking cancer inclusive in this.
1: Well th- that's correct because I think you can push the immune system in in different dimensions at Citrix we're particularly focused on the autoimmune inflammatory essentially where we're probably more towards suppressing the immune system when it has become activated against something it should not have become activated but in principle the same concept applies but the sort of indications we've thought about or are addressing are conditions such as inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, which can be devastating for patients, including rheumatological diseases where you can see joint destruction, that sort of thing, dermatological conditions like psoriasis, atopic dermatitis, and the associated systemic problems that can go with these diseases. And then more broadly into other diseases which involve the immune system but actually spread beyond the systemic perhaps into the central nervous system such as myeloid multiple sclerosis for example
0: so it really does have potentially this really wide ranging impact i mean that's a whole breadth of potential there
1: it, it it has. And I think this is the, the you know, it's the trap one does not want to fall into in, in sort of imagining you can cure everything. Yeah. To start off with, you have to focus on where you think you have the best possible opportunities. And and again, I think there's a fascinating opportunity here. Because on the projects we're working with, we have two routes to identify the most pertinent human disease or, or subgroups of human disease. One is a sort of mechanistic connection. So you understand what can be achieved by modulating certain metabolic pathways and changing the behavior of immune cells. And then you can hypothesize how that could then translate forward into suppressing sort of what you understand to be the underlying imbalance with patients with autoimmune disease. And that's a very sort of logical tracking forward from the science to the patient. But you can also do this essentially starting with an understanding of the patient. it's, it's clear that some of these metabolic pathways can be shown and can be identified to be quite perturbed in the immune cells of patients and you can sort of track that back then to which metabolic pathways potentially you might wish to bring a, a different form of rebalance to which we, you hypothesize will then be associated with changing the behavior of some of those immune cells. So you can you can come at this from both directions starting with the patient but also starting with the sort of fundamental pathway signs.
0: Right so that in itself is uh, pretty impressive science that we're talking about here. And what's also impressive with Citrix is from that sort of one-with-one scenario you began with with it, there's a team of founders um, that came afterwards. So could you tell us a bit more about them and how you've all sort of come together and really built up the company?
1: Yeah, so uh, actually when I joined the 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 founding scientists had already come together and had been built. So the the company, at least in terms of the concept and the expertise on which we were really going to build our drug discovery, had already been brought together. Um, And that was a combination of SV health investors and, in particular, Humana Straffian, who's um, very keen to build a company around immunometabolism. And it was almost a case of... Being the right time, the right place, because there was an interest here from academic potential, ac- uh, industrial partners, GSK in particular, and they had actually been exploring this area. And with, for example, Luke O'Neill, and therefore I think with various presentations that had been made, I have to say before I joined the company, um, there was an awareness that in fact there was a there was a great opportunity here in a combination of interests and, and whom and then. With, with the various other founders brought together the investor syndicate that would actually help. And the, the individual investors had also had interests in terms of other scientific um, potential founders that, that could be brought into the mix. So that all sort of came together because I think the time was just right for it's a somewhat complex area of immunometabolism. But, but very fast emerging. And, you know, the great opportunity for me was when I joined, they had already brought together four or five, six of the top academics around the world who were really driving this field forward and had established a very impressive literature around how metabolism regulates and controls the immune system.
0: Okay. So, knowing this now, we mentioned earlier in our conversation. Um, the collaboration with Lily. So perhaps you could tell us a bit more about that, uh, which research programmes both of you are working on together, and obviously without giving anything confidential away.
1: So we spoke to Lily very early on in in our establishment of the company. I think at the time we had about 10 people, and we had got three or four projects up and running that are starting to show some promise. But in fact, that was the stage for us to be quite ruthless in deciding which ones are going to actually make the cut or not And we had an introduction to Lilly and a lot of interest from key players in the Lilly organisation. So I think there are a number of really perfect combinations. There are one, a very senior leader in AJ Narula, who saw the opportunity here, and a team within Lilly who were really fascinated by this area and some real drivers and some owners of the potential. And, And then perhaps I could also add something that's not always happens in larger pharma a group of people who are open-minded and creative enough to see that perhaps doing this with a smaller biotech company that was built around or built supplemented by the world's top academics might be a very good way to do it as opposed to just internalizing everything and adding it as another set of projects. So I think we had a combination of that will-to-do-it interest and that sort of thing. And um, we've worked with a number of projects with Lily over three or so years we've been working with them, but that's narrowed down to two that we're fo- focusing on at the moment. We, If you don't mind, I won't talk in great detail about the nature of the projects, but there are examples of projects that really show this fundamental connectivity between metabolism and the way the immune system. One is what we call a post-translational modification technology, which is essentially where a metabolite, a reactive metabolite, is generated within the cell from the TCA cycle that can real time modify proteins. Uh, the so-called redox-sensitive proteins. So this is a sort of interconnectivity between the immune system, with certain cells in the immune system upregulates an enzyme that generates this metabolite, and that provides a sort of feedback loop to control the activation of immune cells. And then the second project we're working on is in the field, what's called one-carbon metabolism. So this is uh, metabolism within the mitochondria, the sort of energy-generating unit of the cell. So this is fundamental energetics of the cell it's a type of biology that has been drugged previously and it's really elegant work by jeff Rathmell that sort of reveals some of the connectivity between these pathways and the way t-cells in particular behave and not only their activation but the the maintenance of their activation so they, these are two projects they're both at um pretty late stage for for a Earliest biotechs such as ours. So they're at the point of reaching candidate identification and progression through IND enabling, that sort of thing. In one case, and, and at what we call lead optimization. So, fairly, you know, one candidate identified and making progress, the other um, in late stage progression towards identifying a candidate molecule.
0: Brilliant. So, positive stuff. And as you say, it seems like it, although a complex area and fast immersion, it's been the right time for this science talking about time what is the future so both for citrix itself uh, but also for what you perhaps see happening in the field of immunometabolism overall within the next decade or two
1: yeah so um, gr- great chance to sort of <laughs> share thoughts here uh, of course all of this has to to have the caveat that it's complex but i think one of the f- fascinating things about this area is that It offers us the opportunity to modulate cells with drugs, but only the cells that are in the disease state So let me try and pick this apart. Metabolic pathways are immensely complex, and we often think of them as linear pathways because that's often how they're drawn out. But in fact, they're enormously interconnected, and cells are hugely adaptive. We call it plastic in their ability to use these pathways. So the cells, according to different environments, can change the way they generate their energy and intermediates by rearranging flux or flow through these pathways. And it's that adaptability that we're essentially using here, because cells in, a, let's take a sort of inflammatory flare in an autoimmune disease, there's a huge number of T-cells and, and other cells, myeloid origin, for example, and B-cells, that are f- trying to grow very, very quickly and proliferate and respond to what they see as a threat. And, it, you know, to simplistically, they use up all the nutrients. And therefore, these cells have to change the substrates they use. Now, the attraction here is that in doing so, they change their whole metabolism. They change their metabolism to a state which we can drug with certain points of intervention, which will not have an effect on the cells that are elsewhere in the body just doing a normal job, and there's not the same reduction in availability of nutrients. So it gives us an opportunity to to, to target some points of control that we know are pivotal, they have been used in drugs previously, but are often associated with side effects, but do so in a way that really is only pertinent to the cells that are in this unusual metabolic environment of the disease, the local disease environment where all these nutrients have been used up and they've had to rewire their systems. Um, So it gives you this potential to be much more selective in your drugs and be able to hit pathways hard, or without our anticipation, our hypothesis is without bringing in anything like the same level of side effects.
0: So, ten years from now, twenty years from now,
1: I think that another interesting thing is that there's a lot of tar- there's a lot of biology here, and we're really just getting to grips with it. So, ten years from now. Um, Rather than immunometabolic targets, which are already out there, methotrexate essentially is a drug that modifies metabolism. But on the whole, those drugs have been found by serendipity because they've essentially been found by screening what influences immune cells. I think 10 years from now, we will have drugs on the market that are, are... modulating metabolism by design and very selectively so by taking out the very precise enzyme that's pertinent to modify that cell that has rewired itself to cope with a disease environment.
0: Thank you. Gosh. So from serendipity to modulation by design, the future is before you. It's been a pleasure, Neil. Thank you so much for running us through all that.
1: Thanks, Nicole. It's been great fun.
0: So that concludes another episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find out more information about this episode, including a download link and information about previous installments of the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcasts. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podbeam where you can find and subscribe by searching for Farmer Forum. Of course, don't forget to visit our website itself, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins and follow us on Twitter, or X nowadays, at at That's all for now. Thank you for listening.